Welcome back to another episode of our Move to Heal podcast. My name is Allie Hirschman. I'm Colleen Delaney. I'm Ethan Hirschman. And we are the co-founders of Move to Heal. And today is a really special episode because we are actually going to be talking about Ethan's journey and his journey with um, addiction and sobriety. And he's sitting here in front of us today with 29 years, almost 30 years of sobriety, which is so incredible. And Ethan, thank you for coming on here today and uh, talking to us and sharing your journey and being so vulnerable. We really, um, we really appreciate it. Oh, it's an honor. Um, glad to be here. Awesome. So I want to dive right into some of the questions that we we have for you and some questions that I feel someone listening um, may really benefit hearing hearing from you. Um, the first one is I want you to share a little bit about your personal journey with addiction, what that looked like for you, and ultimately what led you to seek help. Okay, so... You know, I, I I usually tell the story by starting out where I grew up and and uh, and what my life was as a kid and that sort of thing. But um, you know, to talk specifically about the addiction, um, I'll I'll go right to when I was like 13 years old. Um, it was it was the first time that I had tried, you know, smoking pot, and uh, I had had a few drinks before that. Um, and by the time I was 14, I was smoking pot every single day. Um, the alcohol wasn't as prevalent in my life yet at that point. Um, fast forward a couple of years. I was 16 years old. I got introduced to cocaine, um, which I immediately loved. It, was, it, it made me social. It brought me out of my shell. Um, I literally remember being at a, uh, a keg party and uh, on, this, on this dirt road, <clears throat> the cops show up. I have like a quarter gram of Coke in my pocket. I run into the woods. The cops are clearing out all the kids because we're all underage, you know? And, uh, and I snort the Coke and I get such a level of confidence. I decided I'm gonna go talk to the cops. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I come out of the woods. I, I start talking to the cops. I tell them I live down the street. They're super nice to me. And, uh, you know, and, and they didn't say anything bad. They said, just probably should go home. Mm -hmm. And I walked away from there going, this is a this is like a miracle drug for me. I wow. can do anything when I do this stuff. I feel like that is like such a pivotal point in in your story. Well, it was it was it was you know, cocaine uh, for me anyway. When I first started using it, it was it did everything for me. You know, it did a lot of a lot of things for me. So, so anyway, um, from that point forward, um, I would get it and use it whenever whenever I could, but I. I didn't have, it was very expensive back then, and uh, I didn't have the money for it, um, but I was going to figure out a way. And the other thing about cocaine for me was it made me and allowed me to drink a lot mm. um, because it would straighten me right out. It would bring me, you know, right up from, from the depths of 
drunkenness. So, mm. so would you say it was cocaine was the drug of choice, or was the drug of choice cocaine and alcohol? Well, c- uh, cocaine and alcohol was my uh, cocaine was my drug of choice, but I couldn't do that without drinking, and I couldn't drink without using. So mm. I was cross. I became cross addicted very quickly. Okay. Um, went through high school. Uh, started selling drugs in high school um, uh, to to help with not only my cocaine uh, use but also my uh, my marijuana use. I was smoking pot every day, and I didn't want to have to pay for that. So that, that's that's how I got started. I started out selling pot. Ultimately, I was selling cocaine, but that was uh, that was after high school. I, um, uh, I I met Kathy, your mom, in in the midst of all this. So. Uh, we became uh, high school sweethearts, and she was also, you know, um, a partying buddy for a long time. And um, I, I, although my my addiction wasn't slowing me down in my life, um, I felt like I wanted to get my life accomplished and done so I could keep my addiction going. And that probably doesn't make any sense. Yeah, can you explain that but a what little I can bit? Explain is, is like I wanted to be super successful. I wanted to make a lot of money because I didn't want my addiction to get in the way of having a house or a car or anything Which like that. Which many times it does. Many times it does. Okay. And um, I I was lucky enough to be able to enter the family business. Um, my father gave me a ton of responsibility at a young age that I took on. And um, in order for me to handle that, I dropped out of college after a year and joined the family business. In order for me to handle that and keep my addiction going, I had I became um, what I, I refer to as like a weekend warrior. So mm. Friday afternoon would hit, the partying would stop or start, and, and that wouldn't end until Sunday night, typically. And what are we saying? Like you say partying. What does that partying mean? Because that's different for everybody. Yeah. So that was uh, picking up the cocaine Friday at noon, going to the bar, and then, you know, a few more visits to the drug dealer throughout the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, on, a, on a good weekend, uh, I would get some sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of the weekends, especially the last few years of my addiction um i wouldn't sleep between last time i would i would sleep thursday night and then i wouldn't sleep again until sunday night can i ask you a question what how much thought you know um was it consuming in terms of like monday tuesday are you already thinking about friday like are you ready to it's a great question yeah yeah so um, i would maintain during the week by smoking weed so no no drinking no Maybe a little bit of drinking, okay. but not much. And no cocaine uh, during the week. And, and well, f- most weeks, yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, and then, but by Friday, the, the compulsion and uh, the obsession mm. with, with using was so strong mm-hmm. that I literally couldn't function. I, I couldn't it's think. All, of, it's all you could think I could about. not mm-hmm. think about anything else. Wow. There was nothing that could distract me from it. Yeah. especially by lunchtime. And when you get in the pattern, even my stomach would get upset at, at noontime, and, and, and it was crazy. Yeah, um, and I've, I hear that a lot, actually. Yeah. Like, w- the 
the, the physical pre, and the mental yeah, effects. Yeah, like even like the pre-ritual of like you know you're gonna go get it. Like oh yeah. what that feels like. All the like, excitement. You know? the, yeah, it was. Okay. It was, uh, it was something that was uh, intoxicating. Really. Yeah. What was your mindset on Monday morning after everything you know transpired over the weekend? Oh God. <laughs> what were the, what oh, were God. some yeah. what were some of the things that you were feeling? Well, um, you know. Why did I do that again? Was was a lot a, a lot of the time, um, you know, the shame, the mm. lies, the deception to do what I had to do mm -hmm. was enormous. It was enormous, um, and and actually in the in the last, uh, you know, if I fast forward ten years, eleven years, when when I was uh, after Ali was born, and I was. So, you know, pretending that I was sober. Mm -hmm. um, so I could only use when I wasn't home. So I had to go on these road trips that were not real road trips. I mean, I, I'd have one day of business to do, but I would turn it into a two or three day road trip. And uh, I had a business up in Rochester, New York. So that was the perfect thing. I mean, I would get up at five o'clock in the morning, start snorting cocaine, um, drive to Rochester. Wow. Uh, I remember meeting with my partner, having to have like six drinks before I went in to meet with him because I was so wired, and then sitting with him for four or five hours and blowing lines in the bathroom in between and wow. drinking as much uh, Coca Cola as I could and water, and uh, yeah, and then and then just going to the hotel and not sleeping and like so much effort to oh. just try to like maintain some sort of normalcy or like professionalism. Oh, it, was, it, was hor it was horrible. And then, and then every time that I did this, sometimes I would, I would just go right to the hotel and I'd have the meeting the next day. But every time I did it and I got to that hotel room and I finished all the cocaine and the vodka and beer and whatever else I might be putting into my system, it was usually like four o'clock in the morning. Wow. And I, I, I would be like, you talk about how did I feel, Kyle? I would be so full of shame. I would be so disgusted with myself. I would, I just, I want every single time. And I am like, I got to sleep. I got to sleep. And I couldn't sleep. And I would be, I just wanted to leave the room, climb to the, onto the roof and jump off every time wow. I wanted to die. Were you able to hide it from the people that you were meeting with at these meetings and people that were in your life? Totally. I, I, I was totally able to hide it, uh, except from Kat, from Kath. She, she, she knew, but she didn't know type of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, did she know, but didn't necessarily want to believe it? Like, what do you mean? Because I feel like sometimes people can be in a bit of denial just to protect themselves and their feelings and the potential of the severity of something. Not want to like believe it's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. I, I think. I think. Yeah, she was definitely. Yeah, I mean, she, when I was in Syracuse, New York, in a hotel room, she she didn't know what I was doing. So. Mm -hmm. um, on those trips, she never really knew. Mm -hmm. But I think she knew, you know, when... Because at the time, it was just... It was Coke. Don't do Coke. Mm -hmm. You know, I could drink still a little bit and... and uh, Did she understand that, like that it was kind of this package deal? Like, it's hard to drink without the urge to want to go do Coke and then vice versa? 
I don't think she fully understood that okay. at the time. And many um, people don't, you, you know? know, it's like, okay, you have an issue with cocaine, just stop doing that, yeah. but you can go drink, you know? Yeah, it's like, no, no, it was, it was, she definitely, cause, cause she, I was allowed to have a couple glasses of wine or something like that, which meant, I mean, if she really knew everything that was going on, that meant I was going to use and yep. as you say this, like it is so, and I'm sure for everyone in this room right now, you even having a glass of wine, I've, I've never seen it, right? I never experienced my dad in his active addiction, um, which I hope you get to this part of the story and telling that, but it's just such a foreign concept for me, mm -hmm. for you to have a glass of wine. I can't even like picture what that would look like. And that's such a blessing for me. I know that children, spouses, um, parents, like that's you know, not everyone is that fortunate. So it's just such, it's, it's always interesting hearing your story. It's like, I'm listening yeah. to you talk about somebody else. It's not you. Yeah. Well, I, I promise you that if, you know, I had started drinking anytime, you know, like let's say recently, neither of you would want to be around me and you wouldn't be. Yeah. It, it, it's just, I, I was all my, all my bad traits that, that you've seen. Yeah. Multiply them times a thousand, and that's that was Ethan on drugs and alcohol. Right, and the thing is, like the core of so many people who are uh, dealing with addiction, the core is so good. They're good people. They're loving people. They're caring people. The addiction is an ugly beast. Yeah, they're just they're just they're sick. sick. Yeah, they're sick they're people. Sick. Yeah, and yeah. it's 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 really crazy to hear your story because when you sit in the Move to Heal meetings so many people have similar stories mm -hmm. and the traits mm -hmm. and the character defects yep. and are all similar. And what it really all comes down to is we all have trauma yeah. and what behaviors are we doing mm -hmm. that, and we're acting out in that, to you numb, know, to suppress. Yeah. I mean, the addiction, know? the addiction creates its own problem, mm -hmm. but it, the consequence but it, but it, of trauma. but it was all like every time, you know, if I look back to when I started using, it was to escape stuff I didn't even know I had. Mm -hmm. Did you, you know? know that at the time, though, or were you just like, "I just love cocaine. I love alcohol. I'm able to. F I, I'm able to still make money well, and be, you know." Well, like look at it. Look at it this way. It was kind of like all the things like I didn't like about myself that I wasn't popular, or and I couldn't talk to people, mm -hmm. and I was shy. All that stuff disappeared. So anything that was causing my anxieties or my um, low self-esteem or whatever it might be at that time, mm -hmm. all of the, my life traumas that created that, that disappeared. Away. Makes you feel wow. like a superhero. Yeah. So it was it was like treating the symptom, mm -hmm. but not the condition. Right. right? Not not the root. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, okay. and and I never realized until actually we started move to heal and we started having you know, non-addicts and alcoholics in these recovery meetings, because I was just, I just went to AA before mm -hmm. that, um, that that's what it was, that, that my addiction was created. That I always thought that was the problem. Mm. Like, just stop drinking and drugging and everything will be yes. fine. Yes. And initially, when I did stop drinking and drugging, everything was fine. I was on, I was coming home on time. I wasn't lying or or deceiving anybody to do what I needed to do. I wasn't stealing. I wasn't doing any of these horrible things that I did yeah. to get what I needed when I needed it. Mm -hmm. um, so I felt like, this is great. 
I'm I'm perfectly fine. I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm good now, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and then over time, as as my sobriety continued, I didn't um, the 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 things that caused the initial pain that I was escaping were starting to bubble up, and I had to learn how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And I had to and and you know. The program that I was in and, and still still am today, Alcoholics Anonymous, has the 12 steps to teach you how to start dealing with those issues. Yeah, um, which we talk about all the time, how they can be applied to really anybody. Well, you know? and, and the thing I didn't realize was, I mean, they were designed for alcoholics, right, and drug addicts. And, and uh, you know, there's OA, there's a million mm-hmm. anonymous programs. But the thing I didn't realize was that, Everybody faces these these issues in some form or another, and and that I thought these were just alcoholic addiction problems. Like mm-hmm. I just thought I had all this because I was an addict alcoholic. I didn't realize, oh, when I was, you know, when I when I grew up with a mentally ill mother, mm. that that had any effect on me at all, like right. any effect. And and a lot of that trauma as a kid is what created my personality, what created me to escape the things that felt uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff. So, so yeah, um, I was, you know, just to, to move towards the, towards the end of the story or the end of, of the addictive, the active part of addiction. And how long, how many years was your active addiction? Well, I mean, started when I was 14 and ended, 10 days before my 31st birthday. Okay. So, um, yeah, that was All right, that, so about 15 years. Yeah. That okay. was, that was the whole thing. But, but the, the final straw wasn't the final final, but it, it actually got me onto the path of recovery was, um, when you were two years old and we were all going to California for a conference that I had. And, uh, and, I, and my friend Ernie lives, was living out there at the time. And I was going to go visit him on somewhere in the middle of the week for a day and a night. And I picked up some cocaine on Friday to save till I got there, which I could never save it. Yeah. I never mm-hmm. once saved cocaine. Right. Never. Never. Yeah. Um, but I had it to save. And... Uh, and your mom went to New York with a friend, actually, who's my sponsor's wife, um, for the day, and I was to babysit you. And I was, my addiction had led me to become a crack addict, and I took the cocaine as soon as she left. I cooked it up, turned it into crack, started drinking and smoking crack, and not taking care of you. And... uh and by the end of the day, you know, you had maybe been fed once. Your diaper was dirty when mom got home. And uh, and she knew. I mean, I was, she, she, it was, I couldn't hide it, what mm-hmm. happened. And, um, and she did what she always did when she caught me. She threw me out of the bedroom. She said, I can't stand you. You got to get out of my face. Um. This is what she used to do. And and then she wouldn't talk to me for a couple of days, and I'd be really nice, and 10 days or so would go by, and then she'd give me another chance. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes throw me out of the house. Sometimes I'd have to go live somewhere else for my parents or something. But this time, 
She sat me down and very quietly and calmly looked me in the eye and said, you know, I love you so much that if it was just me, I could live with this the rest of my life and probably would. But I can't have my daughter raised by a drug addict. So I'm going to go to California with you. And when we get back, you got to go. And then very calmly, she said, now get out of the bed, get out of my face because I can't stand looking at you right now. Mm. And you would think that that would have an amazing impact on me right at that very moment. Mm -hmm. And you know, the only thing I thought of, I still got some cocaine left. I'm going to go snort it in the other room. Mm. Wow. That was the only thing I thought of at that very moment. Yeah. However, I went to California and I did what I always did. I, 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 I pretended that I was into getting sober. I brought a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous with me. I fake prayed every day. I, wow. I didn't, obviously didn't drink um, or do cocaine. She was still allowing me to smoke pot, so I was smoking pot. And I took your mom on a shopping spree, and I bought her whatever she wanted, and, um, and, and it worked. We got home, and she said, you know, if you go back to AA, I'll... Uh, I'll let you stay. Mm-hmm. And, and she said, the only thing I want you to do this time is I want you to ha- talk to this specific person who's my spo- still my sponsor. Wow. 29 30, years, yeah, 29 years who, later. Who was the husband of, of her, her friend, Kathy. Um, and he started taking me to meetings. And I could have done what I had always done for five years before. Gone to meetings for about a month, mm-hmm. said I feel better, and bailed again. Okay. And then figured out when I, how I was going to And you had tried use. to get sober. Like, you attempted to get sober. For five years. For five years. Before that. But never mm-hmm. planning on getting sober. My life had just gotten too... too I'd gotten too much trouble. Oh, okay. And it was the only way I was going to keep the marriage together. So it was... But I never intended on... Your attempts staying. to get sober, were they for you or were they for your wife? They were for show. They were for show. Yeah. That's so interesting. I, and okay. I'd, I'd come back and, you know, she would think I was getting healed. And mm. and then I'd just stop going to meetings. And, and mm. then I would start hiding it again. Wow. And that's, and that's the way it went. This time, for whatever reason, you know, the universe wanted me to get sober. Okay. And this time I went to the meetings and I wanted it. Mm. Okay. Can I ask so you So that was question? your rock bottom. Yeah. Yeah, the the five years that you attempted to get sober, did you think that you had an issue? I knew I had an issue. You knew you had an issue. I couldn't stop. You couldn't stop. When did you know you had an issue? Like when really? Like, when hey, I was eighteen. Is, you're eighteen, and then continued for the it, next. Well, here's here's what it was. Before I was eighteen, I could use cocaine once a month. Okay. And. And then when I had enough money again, I would buy some more and I'd use again. Okay. But I didn't worry about when was I going to use mm. again. Mm. By the time I was 18, I had to use every week. Mm-hmm. I had to. The turmoil that must cause mentally and physically. So yeah. like physically what the drugs do to your body, but also mentally fighting the addiction yeah. is so draining. And like knowing, like a lot of people are in denial. They're like, oh, I don't have an issue. And then that way it kind of allows this like guilt-free 
drinking or drug use or whatever it may be. But for you, you knew you had an issue, but you just continued to use and, and drink, which is why that guilt and shame must have been so oh, yeah. intense. Yeah, and it got and it kept getting worse and worse. So yeah. like the last two years before I got sober, I was into crack, right? Mm-hmm. So I was into crack for a while, but more than two years, but but I was really into it the last two years. And you know, as as an a, an older athlete now, my maximum heart rate's around 160, 165 beats per minute when I'm flat out. Mm-hmm. I was laying in bed with my heartbeat at that level and not being able to breathe and i had to go to the hospital twice and both times the doctor said you almost had a heart attack what you you need help right like you've got to stop this cocaine stuff and i didn't it didn't still didn't stop me so basically you either were going to get sober or you were going to die like did you have really your only Mm -hmm. options at at that point that's how i felt Yeah. yeah and i guess the beauty of hitting rock bottom is you get help and there's the only way to go is up. Yeah. Yeah. So what was that like? So now you come back from California, you call this person who's now still your sponsor to this day. Were you sober from that point on or? I wasn't sober then. Oh, you weren't sober then. I was so still you, so smoking you still, weed. Okay. Okay. I was still smoking weed. So it took me three months of going to meetings before I realized that, um, that I that I needed to stop smoking pot. Okay. That that had to that had to come to an end. Okay. So three months of meetings, then you stop smoking, and then what happens? Well, it's just it's still happening. Okay. You know. So what is <laughs> so that? I, I, so I so I I, uh, I go to I go to meetings. I do service work. Um, I. Uh, you know, I, I, I try and help people whenever I reach out to them and, and try and help them whenever whenever I possibly can. And uh, and and I work the 12 steps of the of Alcoholics Anonymous to this day, to this day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it did ultimately, you know, as we've talked about in in our first podcast, it, it, it led me to move to heal. Right. And, and starting this sort of next phase um, which is, you know, it's it, to me that uh, move to heal has been allowed allowed me to supercharge the service work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's allowed me to help people that were, you know, and I, I don't like to to ever put down Alcoholics Anonymous, but there's some people that don't like it for yeah. whatever reason. That's, that's yeah. actually a really you know good point. So I have a question: what You've been going to Alcoholics Anonymous for however many years. Once you added Move to Heal into the mix, what was the difference or what was that extra push that you needed um, that helped your healing journey? Well, my eyes opened up to a lot of things. You know, we discussed a little earlier about addiction being an escape from the real base trauma, Mm -hmm. right? And then it becomes its own trauma Mm -hmm. and its own problem. I never knew that. Like it took me 29, 28 years. And it wasn't until I'm sitting in recovery meetings with non-alcoholics and non-drug addicts Mm -hmm. and realizing that they're no different from me or I'm no different from them, whatever you want to say. Cause I I thought all these problems were unique 
to mm-hmm. addicts and alcoholics okay. because that's the only people that are in those rooms. Right. You know, and, and that's one of the big things that that I think is really good about Move to Heal is that we are, quote unquote, non-denominational. Mm-hmm. And we don't, you know, we just say, hey, I'm Ethan or I'm Allie, I'm Colleen. We don't mark ourselves mm-hmm. with this alcoholic, drug mm-hmm. addict, eating disorder, gambler. And you can talk about whatever you, know. you want. Yeah, and right. Exactly. Right. And um, yeah, and and it's and and it's it's just amazing. So my my journey continues to get better. Um, I continue to get closer to the energy in the universe that I connect to. Um, and honestly, you know, I found something now with Move to Heal that after a forty year successful career in business which i thought would be sort of one of the shining stars of my life um i'm realizing this the shining part of it is that it can fund move to heal Mm -hmm. and and help help keep it growing right Mm -hmm. and um but move to heal is by far by a hundred times more fulfilling than anything i ever did in business um and if only one person got helped it would be that way. Yeah, that's that's incredible. I I have a couple of questions that I feel uh, would be helpful to for for your, to get your take on and, and your perspective. But what advice would you have for someone who may be struggling with addiction and contemplating seeking help? And you know, what are maybe some signs of you know someone saying, "Okay, am I struggling with this? Is this normal behavior? What does that look like?" Well, there's there's um there's sort of a few things that, that go along with this, but we call it like the three A's, right? There's, there's awareness that there's an issue, right? And usually that's when things start going not right in your life or not right, not in the way you would want them to go. Okay. Um, and then there's acceptance of this problem mm-hmm. and the severity of it. It's not going to go away. It's not like a cold mm. where you're going to get over it. This is like diabetes where it doesn't leave you, right? Right. You know, you're always going to have to watch it. Okay. And then there's action. Mm. And um, the the hardest thing for uh, anybody struggling with addiction is is surrendering Mm. and asking for help. Why, Why do you think that's the hardest thing? Because I think one of the strongest attributes of of addiction is that it wants you to defend your right to use mm-hmm. wow. and not take that right away. Mm-hmm. At, you actually have to give it up. Yeah. At, at all costs. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like it doesn't want you to stop. So you you will blame the whole world before you blame yourself wow. and look inward. Yeah. And, uh, and that is every single addict or alcoholic I've ever met. Yeah. They have to hit, they have to get to a point where it's it's so bad that you the where you're staying in that in that hole is so painful that whatever you have to do is better right and and most people never get there they die first 
And I think unfortunately, it's scary. and I think it's yeah. scary for people to actually admit they have a problem because once you admit you have a problem, you then you can't something. go back. Yeah, you got yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got to do something. I what I see too is the pain that it's causing those around you, right? Like that's that's sometimes not even enough to seek help yourself. Nobody cares about that. You mean the I addict? Mean, like I, the, the addict, the does active not addict care. or alcoholic doesn't even think about that. Mm. Right. It's not even in the radar until after you get sober. Right. So what is? It's just like the use, right? Like just using, like when am I going to be able to use next versus like right. I have these people around me that I'm hurting who love me and I'm je- it's, I, they're in jeopardy of losing. Like that doesn't matter. I think the well, drugs it, are so powerful and addiction is so powerful that you can't even think you about anything yeah, other than like yourself. Blinders, yeah, you drugs. can't. I mean, I mean, unless something absolutely tragic happens and, and this, I mean, I have friends that I have one friend who's, he killed his wife. Wow. Wow. Drunk, driving drunk. Wow. Yeah. And still drank after that. Right. Wow. But 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 that event eventually got him to stop. Yeah. Um I I mean the stories that I could tell you on what people did and how low they they went. Um it's mind-boggling. Right. And Not, then also hitting rock bottom, getting help but then relapsing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is well, a part hap- of recovery. Happen- yeah, it happens you know? a lot. I mean, it's that's just- a really hard part of move to heal is is being in the meetings and getting to know people and seeing them um, get better and and heal, and then they disappear. Yeah, and it's it's really hard to see. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a there's a saying in 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 uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's like, well, every bottom has a trap door. Wow. Meaning, I've never heard that. Yeah. So. So yeah, so um, awareness, action, and defeat is 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 really there, and hopefully, people can reach that before they die. Mm. You know? Yeah, um, and especially nowadays with drugs that have things oh laced. Gosh. Oh, the fentanyl, fentanyl it's terrible, and, it's and that's everything from cocaine, uh, per, uh, Adderall. Uh, we did the walk for uh, the fentanyl walk yeah. like two years ago. Well, just hearing and, those and, stories and the so and impactful. the um, counterfeit prescription drugs. Yes, now exactly. That are just they're putting fentanyl in there so that they kill the pain. But and you it, got one pill that you have two, is a is a killer, and you got one pill that's not. Yeah. And it's so know. crazy Terrible. that people know that that's a risk, mm-hmm. and that's how powerful the addiction is. That mm-hmm. they are willing to die just to get high. Yeah, yeah. It's so and yeah. That it's but I think just having those people know that there is help and there there are success stories of people mm-hmm. changing their lives and getting healthy and and sober. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know that's what Move to Heal is all about, showing that there's hope. And you're not alone. I think that you know you're you feel isolated on this island. You're the only person experiencing this. You're the only mm-hmm. person going through this, and no one can relate. And I just think even that little ounce of like oh my gosh I'm sitting in a move to heal meeting or I'm sitting in an AANA meeting and I can actually relate to what that person's saying I feel like that in itself can just bring a, a lot of hope to someone because hope is is big mm-hmm. no it's true and and you know one of the other things I'll say is this is there's still this stigma out there like non-addicts and alcoholics that don't understand the disease Say, why don't you just stop? Right. You're ruining it's your a life. Choice. Like, yeah. like, 
what's wrong with you? Right. Like, this isn't a disease. This is just you not caring. Mm-hmm. Or your will, uh, you don't is, have enough willpower to yeah. stop. And or you have like a that. shitty personality and mm-hmm. you're a bad person. Right? Yeah. And, and it's that stigma um, that, you know, people go into hiding about this stuff. Right. You know? Well, a huge reason why maybe someone would not want to right. admit, I, or exactly. I'm not like them, you know, or them or whatever yeah. that yeah. looks like, right. you know. Right. Um, are there, and this is actually a good segue, but are there uh, common misconceptions about addiction and recovery that you'd like to address? Well, sure. One is that it is a disease. Mm-hmm. It's an illness that none of us want. Mm-hmm. We can't control that we have it. We just have it. And uh, it's not, you know, a deficiency of willpower. Mm-hmm. It's nothing or discipline or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that people that are struggling with something like this, it, it's, it's a disease that tells us we don't have a disease. Right. So it's really, really hard to get to that point, you know, where, you know, most people don't, oh, I drank too much last night. I better stop and start going to meetings. Mm -hmm. Shit has to happen. Like bad. Bad stuff has to happen. Mm -hmm. And then you still don't change, right? Mm -hmm. And and then really bad stuff has to happen. Mm -hmm. And, And most times... Until all the relationships are burned down, until all the money's gone, and you're homeless with no job, even then people don't realize. But literally, most of the people that do go all the way to the basement. They lose everything Mm -hmm. before they before they they major health issues. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That that too is you know the the impact that it has on your body. You know. Oh, it's you're putting poison into it. I mean, well, it's it's like you have people that have major health issues, like uh, people that smoke cigarettes and they have lung cancer and they still continue to smoke, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. 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 So uh, I want to talk because this is obviously a, a common thing, but triggers. How do you deal with them? How do you address them? Are they different now, almost 30 years into this than they were, you know, at the beginning? Yes, definitely. Um I was a crackhead, so I mean, I still am a crackhead, mm-hmm. but 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 I was a active crackhead. So when I got into recovery, the obsessions didn't disappear. Some people have a bolt of lightning come down and they like never want to use again or, uh-huh. or whatever, but not me. Okay. The only this is basically what happened would, would happen to me for the first few months. I would obsess about it. I'd go to a meeting. By the end of the meeting it would be lessened long enough for me not to use until the next meeting. Mm. And that went on. You're going what? Like every day, every other day, every day, twice. And sometimes twice a day. Wow. So it was a lot. Okay. Um, I still go to five meetings a week. Yeah. So it's, it's been, it's, it's really important that, Mm -hmm. that I be reminded how important it is. Why are those meetings so important to you? Well, one of the other, um, aspects of of addiction is uh forgetting and forgetting how bad it was and forgetting how 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 much it pulled Mm. and and the power of it Mm. and the strength so for me going to meetings and seeing somebody that can't stop yeah sometimes that's the biggest help for me is a person 
that's just getting there and talking about how bad their life is or a person that's just coming back that, that has been mm. has been trying for years mm -hmm. and can't get it. Okay. And there, that could be me. Okay. Yeah. That could and, be me. And I, well. I hear people a lot in the meetings talk about how when they think that they're healed and that they're they're good, yeah. that's when they know they need to come to meetings. Wow. Right. Yeah. In fact, I, I shared about that the other day. Um, I had five years sober, and I went to my sponsor, and I said, haven't wanted to use in a long time. I feel pretty good. I think I'm cured. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are laughing because you know. And he said to me, really? He goes, so the idea of going out to dinner, having a glass of wine with your wife, that's a great evening. And I said, a, a glass of wine? And he goes, yeah, one glass of wine with your wife at dinner. And I said, no, that doesn't sound like a great evening. He said, I, he said well, what would be a great evening if you could have one night where it didn't count? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'd go out, I'd have that glass of wine, and I'd have a couple of cocktails. Then I'd get, go pick up, like, you know, an eight ball. And then I'd go home and drink vodka and snort and smoke cocaine until the next morning. And he looks at me and he goes, and you think you're cured? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, I think a lot of times people, when they get sober, when they're thinking about it, they're like, my life is going to be so boring and it's not going to be fulfilling and how am I going to have fun? What would you say about that? Um, well, first of all, I'll, I'll say this initially that living on the edge and all that excitement disappears, mm -hmm. but you're so relieved that you don't have to use that. Mm -hmm. Your body is getting in better health that you can actually do something on the weekends. Right. Like if I got my car washed, meaning take it to the car wash for 10 minutes and come home. I thought I had a, a very accomplished weekend. I mean, now I'll do, you know, a hundred times that you'll hike in, Kilimanjaro. In a yeah, in a whatever. Weekend. No, but I mean, I mean, it opens up. It frees you. Mm, it opens freeing. up. It, it opens up. Isn't that so interesting? Many other it is freeing, and so many people think it's like it's going to trap yeah. them. Yes. No. It's it's yeah. the and most freedom I've ever had. And wow. I hear in the meetings, um, you know, because we have a lot of old timers in the meetings, yeah. and we have a lot of young people in the meetings, and I hear a lot of the old timers say. I am living my life beyond my wildest dreams. Yeah. Wow. And that is a saying I hear all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so inspiring to hear, especially for people that are struggling and trying to get sober. Yeah. yeah. And just to, just to, to piggyback on that. Um, and th this is another thing people say a lot of, if, especially if you've been around for a while, if I was to like write out the best life I could ever have right when I got sober yeah, and what that would look like, I would have sold myself short. Wow. Like uh, way short. That's really special. Way short. Yeah. And, and I say this to the young people too, because I think like if people get this and how to work, how to, how to like do life at a young age and get off the addiction train and, and, and be in recovery and understand that it's a life, you know, it's a lifetime thing that you have to keep doing and your life will keep getting better and yeah. you become a better person, all that stuff. Like anybody in their twenties, like they're gonna be 
it, their life will be amazing. Mm. And and the sad thing is, with everything that's going on, we talked about the fentanyl before, mm-hmm. all the stuff that the risks that are out there now. Most of them are dead by forty if they mm. don't. Wow. And to, to have such a vast, you know, difference of results mm-hmm. in a life, just be just by getting clean mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah. Like, unbelievable. Yeah. That's that's incredible. I know that uh, we're kind of wrapping up here, but is there anything else, you know, that you want to add or anything that you feel would be important to share? Well, the last thing you you, brought, you talked about triggers a little mm-hmm. bit and and um, just to get into the addicted, addicted mind or the alcoholic mind. Yeah, there's four stages. Okay. OK, there's the passing thought. Wouldn't it be nice? to smoke some weed right now. Wouldn't it be nice to have a cognac and a cigar? Never did that, but <laughs> <laughs> it seems nice sometimes yeah. on, on the porch while the sun goes down. Right. Wouldn't it be nice? And those are the passing thoughts, right? And then it's the fantasy. Mm. How would I do it? Like, you know, oh, I'd do that, and I'd go out to dinner, you know, and you start fantasizing a little bit about it. And then that's stage two. Stage three you start planning. Mm. How can I do this? How can I make that fantasy happen? Right. And then the fourth stage is, is to actually do it, to take right. action. Now, all four of those stages can happen in three minutes if you're in the wrong place. Okay. Okay. But the, the concept is, as in recovery, is that if you have the passing thought, you know, Go into your brain and remember how bad it was the last time you used. You know, say a prayer, do something, right? Mm. Um, make a spiritual connection, meditate, do something. If you if you have the fantasy, talk to somebody about it. Mm. Tell them that you had it. If you're making the plan, you better be on the phone. Like okay. it's super important, and getting yourself to a meeting or mm-hmm. doing something like that. So. Okay. And by the time you take the action, it's obviously too late. But yeah. um, you want to have little things set up in your mind so that when you sense these things or you feel these things, yep. you react to them differently. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. I like that. I, I want to ask you, sorry, one more. I know we're, we're, we're wrapping up, but what would you say to someone like, I would love to bring mom on the podcast to really get her perspective from this other side, but when you were in your active addiction and then, you know, getting into recovery, what is it that you needed from the people closest to you and your loved ones and your spouse or family? That's a, that's a really great question. Um, there's part of me that wants to say I needed support and I needed support in the recovery in a loving way and, and supporting way, Mm -hmm. but I needed firmness in the consequences of not following mm. through. Mm. Wow. And and that would be like, you're not married to me anymore. Uh-huh. You're out of the house. Right. You're on your own. Right. I'm not supporting you anymore. Right. These very, what seem to be harsh consequences, but that's what we need. Mm. Mm. Saved your life. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Right. Wow. Yeah. I think for anyone listening who has... Um, you know, his story is resonating with and they're struggling. 
uh, Move to Heal is here to help. Mm-hmm. Um, just remember that Move to Heal meetings are not just for people with addiction. It's for anyone struggling with any life trauma. Um, but, you know, Move to Heal could be such a resource for people like that, having the therapy, the mm-hmm. nutrition, and the gym memberships, and the, the group support meetings. Um, so just know that there's help out there. Yeah, and, you know, obviously... E being in the AA program for so long, AA and NA, I, as a therapist, I work with a lot of people. Some people are like, oh, you know, AA is not for me or whatnot. And that will completely turn them off from any sort of group setting. But it's different. You know what I mean? I see AA and NA obviously work for so many people and save so many lives. Um, but having our meeting like this, absolutely. I think it's 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 definitely a different vibe, you know, a different perspective, um, but also a beautiful mix of so many different backgrounds, which I think mm-hmm. is really yeah, nice. Yeah, and, and there are, there's a whole group of people in our meetings that don't go to AA and go to Move to Heal. Mm-hmm. Because and they, you said they it's feel, their main source of recovery. Yeah, and they mm-hmm. feel safer. And, and I'm not saying, I always, I always think more is better and uh, that people should do what they need. Right. Um, and a combination of the two for me is what works, mm-hmm. but it's not, that's not what works for everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody's different. Yeah. But definitely let us be a resource if you're struggling, um, if you're thinking about anything, any, like Colleen said, if anything resonated with you, um, you can always reach out. We're, uh, we're always open for emails, phone yeah. calls, whatever it may well, be. Well, and, and as far as this particular podcast goes, mm-hmm. um, if there's anybody that my story they connected with, Email me yeah. at Ethan at move to heal ct.org um, and let's make a connection. Yeah, mm. I love That's that. That's amazing. Well, E, thank you so, so much for all thank of this. You, I feel like we can go on another hour yeah. or two talking about all, all about all of this, but um, thank you so much. We really appreciate your vulnerability and openness. So. Well, thank you guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right, everybody, make sure you like and subscribe our podcast and check back next week for another episode. Have a great day, everybody. Bye, everybody. Take care. Bye, everybody.